0: Weekend in football history. That is what they are calling this past weekend, in divisional Weekend. We just happen to be a part of it. Here on the Sunday Card, a post-mortem of Tampa Bay, our trip and looking ahead to Conference Championship Weekend. Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth is here. Dan Zampano, talking to you right now. Our steam producer on a little bit of a hiatus. He will be back next week, I promise. Lemon Pepper Lou will be back. He came with us to Tampa. Matthew, I am still shook, not just from our, like, trip, but the whole weekend in general. One of the best weekends that you could ever see as a football fan.
1: Yeah, very happy to be a part of it. Uh, you know, we, we thought what we saw could have been the game of the weekend. Uh, in the Tampa Bay game, and that was very quickly overpassed by the night game on Sunday night, Mm -hmm. following two games that finished within a field goal on Saturday. Number one seed's getting knocked out. I mean, what a weekend. Every game, right down to the wire. By a field goal, or the last one in overtime, I mean, hell of a weekend of football. And I can't believe we were down there.
0: I can't believe it. I've been just – I, uh, hopefully you go on our Twitter and look at the video that we did because it's it's awesome. Just a little sneak peek yes. of what we did uh, at the Sunday card on Twitter. But you – I mean, I guess, like, let's just start there at that. Like, we don't have to start on Saturday. I think we should just start at the game we're at because, like, yeah. it was, A, a crazy party atmosphere, first off. Firing the cannons all day long, raising the flags right here. Still got it. Like, just, still got just, the flags. Still got the flags. But in general – I went back and watched it uh, and watched the highlights like of actually the broadcast and Al and Chris are doing. The, and, and the last four minutes of that game are like you. I, I mean, I don't know how people didn't turn the game off after the missed field goal and then the Brady fumble. Um, and, and once he gets strip sack and then just chaos ensuing Two fumbles in those four minutes. You have two touchdowns just very quickly. And then the final drive we can talk about. And, and this weekend really is a lot about coaching malpractice in a lot of ways because there were just so many instances where coaches just made dumb decisions. Todd Bowles happened to do that. Bruce Arians is also part of that on the last play. Uh, blitzing all out with 20 seconds to go and leaving everybody single covered. And the best receiver in football this year was just wide open running down the field. So it was just a crazy game. Um Talk to me about the game in itself, your experience, what you felt like. And then on top of that, how it changes legacies in terms of Brady and then the Rams moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, the game first half was was an easy story. It was just Rams domination. We were you know, we felt like we were sitting there just getting our teeth kicked in, pulling for the pulling for the, the bucks and bucks, props, bucks, money line all over the place. And yeah, I mean. 20-3 20-3 to three at halftime could have been a lot worse if Cam Akers was a fumble on the one uh, and with, oh. like, 30 seconds left in that half. uh, You know, they, they could have went down big. And people, not, not only do people used to not turn it off, we had people filing out of the stadium. Like, so there's people leaving, like, the third quarter. Like, right as the fourth quarter started, it was just like, Tom Brady's on this team, man. And, and like, we, f- I mean, I don't know you felt it. I felt like, I was like, man, we might, we're about to be something special here. As soon as, like, as soon as Lenny scored that first touchdown and the momentum really shifted, mm. that was my first like really big game like atmosphere that I've been into as far as like a really competitive game. I've been to quite the blood of a, of a bigger game, but not nearly as competitive and as exciting. So uh, feeling, I feel like my voice still isn't back to one hundred percent just from screaming on third down. <laughs> I've never I've, never I've never been a part of like third down defense like that as as I've ever been of just like. The home stadium going absolutely ruckus. Uh, like I said, we were literally standing on top of the pirate ship. It felt like we were, you know, in the, the 200s right above it.
0: We were in the crow's nest up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were in the crow's nest. We had our, our uh, binoculars out there uh, scouting the enemy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, like when the stuff started, it, it really turned a momentum shift of, like, we felt like we were alive was the Stafford, the Snap, where the Snap went sailing mm. over his head. That was really uh, – because that was that uh, after – that might give him touchdown. That was
0: before. So right. what had happened was, I mean, the missed field goal to me was like when I'm like, okay, yes. we're alive, that play happens and they get nothing out of it. And, and it's like, wow. Like it, it literally felt like, it felt like there was no chance that the bucks, I, at least for me being, I, I look, I've seen Brady do a lot of crazy things. I was at the 24, nothing Broncos comeback game on the Sunday night. Like I I've seen the AFC championship. I've seen it all, but That seemed almost borderline impossible. Down two touchdowns. They just – the way the game was going, it never felt like they could get anything going. And then, bang, Mike Evans. Like, that right there was like, whoa.
1: Like, yeah, complete shift. They, they like – I feel like they didn't hit a a pass more than, like, 12, 15 yards down the field the entire Mm -hmm. game. And then, yeah, what was that, 50, 60 yards? Just an absolute heave-ho down the field wide open. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's really when our collective jaws dropped and our eyes lit up like, oh, man, this could <laughs> be something right here. And then I said when they tied it up, I mean, that was the place was roaring when they tied it up once Lenny got in the end zone for the second time. And, uh yeah, I quickly, very quickly got shut up by, like I said, that's right up there with the, the coaching call. as uh, The next game we'll get to with the squip kick that everybody's saying for Buffalo, but, you know. Like you said, the guy just missed a field goal, came up short on a field goal. Like, I, I, I don't see a lot of NFL kickers. It's not that they don't have enough leg, but this guy apparently has been, in, he's been dealing with an injury, their kicker. So to give up, to, to to sell out on the blitz and not just say we can concede 15 yards here, make him kick it from at least like 45. Like, he missed the one from, I think, 47. So, like, to, to sell out on the blitz there and not just say we'll give you 10 to 15 yards underneath, like, we'll, we'll give that to you the only way they were going to lose that game is to get beat over the top and like selling out on Cooper Cup's side, lined up in the slot, like coming off the edge, like Stafford's going to look there every time mm. Stafford's great against the blitz. Like, so he's naturally going to look for his number one target all year. Like he's the number one receiver in football this year. So really tough call on that one. I, and, and I, there was another clip too. I saw where I, I think uh, David, I, I believe it was either um, David or the other linebacker that was kind of supposed to blitz. And then ended up kind of freezing and didn't end up selling yeah. out all the way. And, could have maybe gotten home if he was doing that. And so it's just like not only a bad call, but then maybe just bad execution on the play by the Bucs doing that. So tough ending, amazing game.
0: Amazing game, no question. And I think, you know, that's the difference in the, in the whole coaching scheme is like, you know, Arians, I mean, that should be a situation where they're like, look, we got four or five calls left in this game. Like we got to get them right. And, and you know, I mean, when you do something like that at the end of the day, that uh, can cost you. And look let's be honest, the Bucks did not deserve to win this game. They played like horse manure basically for the first three and a half quarters of this game. Um, and, and look, the Rams just abandoned the running game and just decided, Hey, like they're going to probably stop us running the ball, but they can't cover Odell. They can't cover Cooper cup. They can't cover Tyler Higbee. And, and at the end of the day, no matter what the Bucs threw at them, they couldn't do what they did last year against the Packers Where they got to Aaron Rodgers extremely quickly, even without Andrew Whitworth, the Rams O-line held up. I mean, think about that. Think about that. And on the other side of the ball, the Bucs didn't without Tristan Worfs. So it just tells you Rams O-line a little bit deeper, a little bit better, and maybe McVay's intellect in the X's and O's game probably helped them out a lot as the game went along in terms of protecting Stafford when he was blitzed and protecting his O line, knowing that he had Beckham and, and, and Cup as they go along. So it's just like the coaching game. And and as I said it, you know, I said I liked McVay better than Arians, you know, last week. And just I just had faith in Tom Brady and and this time it was, I mean you mentioned it in the video. I mean it was Tyler Johnson dropping balls. It was you know, not being able to get uh, a down the field presence. Gronk was the only one that made any catches down the field until Evans had that big touchdown. They just kept going underneath and underneath. And once they kind of figured that out, they were moving the ball, just not finishing drives.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, my guy, my guy Von Miller really was the one as far as on the defensive side for the Rams. Nine pressures that game. Uh, And we saw it a lot. Like they were stacking, they were stacking Donald and Miller on the same side on on the bucks right side where you know I said they where they had wells playing who was just uh, who was a liability. He mm. was an absolute liability. But yeah, like I said when I saw Whitworth out I literally saw the update on the plane when we were going to Tampa and I'm like this that's huge. That could be yeah. massive. You know, it's like yes he's the old dinosaur on the team but he's kind of been the staple of that offensive line. He's the name that people know on that offensive line. So uh but they, they did a good job of, of covering that up for sure. Uh no and I just I just think the bucks didn't do enough to like I said Gronk being the most important like pass catcher out there, you could leave him to block and to chip as much. So I think that had a uh, had a factor on it as well. So really, really tough down the stretch.
0: Yeah, but like that, you said, I mean,
1: they, they they didn't deserve it anyway. With the I mean, took four Rams fumbles, two from Cam Akers, to to give them a chance that game.
0: It was uh, Tom Brady was twenty and zero in the playoffs when his team won the turnover battle. Ugh. this is the first time that he lost when the team won the turnover battle. I mean, insane that that happened. We might have been at Tom Brady's last game, which is a historical thing in and of itself. Maybe. We'll see. It sounds like maybe he's like a 60-40 yes, but I can imagine that that's not set in stone.
1: I Yeah, I feel like when his time comes, it's going to be faster in the offseason. I don't feel like it's going to be this, like, month delay like that he's like saying now, like oh, I'm thinking about it, I'm mulling over. I just feel like it'll be more like he could say like the post game presser, like yeah, that was it for me. Like I'm hanging it up. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, he, he threw for 350 54 attempts, 350 yards that game. Like he doesn't look done to me. He doesn't look <laughs> done to me. I mean, I don't think I don't. Again, it necessarily wasn't his fault. I mean, he did everything he could to get him back in that game. So uh, it was just a really good. Gameplay by McFay. But, yeah, I, I don't think he's done even as much as I would kind of like to say that we were his last game.
0: <laughs> Want to be the guy to tell your grandkids that one. Yeah. Uh, l- let's move on to the next game because I think that this one was obviously the one that everybody just could not believe the final two minutes. We could get you through the whole first game, first, first three quarters, first three and a half quarters, and talk about Tyree Kill and, you know, zooming off and Josh Allen had an insane game, you know, played better than anyone. David. Davis. <laughs> I Earl Davis having like four touchdowns and 200 yards. I may, you know, I, I mean, I was honestly really impressed by Josh Allen, really impressed. And to me, you know, that's a big thing for me to say it. So, like, when we do our postseason review and probably talk about top five best quarterbacks in the game right now, there's part of me that has to do a little reassessing after this because he did, he had two, count them two disgusting playoff games. So, yeah. you know, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. But we got to talk about the final 13 seconds. And in 13, I mean, 13 seconds, I mean, that's all you need, ladies. That's all we need. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Mahomes connection here. And, 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 and obviously, you know, this reminds you a lot of the 2018 AFC Championship game, right? Where there are no defense being played in the second half. And it's just back and forth, tip for tat, just keep going. I mean, every time the Chiefs drive down the field, Josh Allen hit and gave Davis deep on a huge 75-yard touchdown and going down the field, scoring with 13 seconds. And again, Sean McDermott with the squib kick issue. And, and, and that's such an easy thing because you know there's one guy in this league that can do that. There's one guy right now in this league that can go 13 seconds. Maybe you could say Aaron Rodgers. Patty Mahomes is one of those guys. And it's, it's just, again, it's another malpractice in coaching. And so um, at the end of the day, though, that is one of the best games that I have seen. And we thought our game was right. You said like the game, but man, no, that, that final two minutes, Patrick Mahomes at 177 yards passing. That's freaking crazy.
1: 177 yards passing. Uh, there was 25 points scored in the final two minutes of that game. Josh Allen had two touchdown passes on fourth down. Every crazy thing that you would not expect to happen in the football game just happened. Like the, the, the coin just like the, the coin flipped on like, yes, every single time I'm like, not even like 50, 50 plays. Like these, these plays probably happened on 20% clip. Some of these things that were happening, Uh that was just nuts. I, I there's no other way to say it. It was absolute pandemonium. It was insanity, and you got to script kick that ball. I know it's I don't I don't understand it. I think that I mean just think just maybe too wrapped up in the moment. Do you think it was just like oh my god, like we they thinking they just finally got over the hump, and it was, it, it, or the fact that I believe Tyreek was standing back there to receive that kick, right? Yeah, it was, it was Tyreek right there? It's like I, that's the other reason. It's like why I don't even know why kick it to him. Like why even right? You don't have to kick that it to or, him. Right. I, I I don't know. It, it just seems crazy. You, you, you squib kick it to, like, the fat guy in, like, the second row. uh. And, and even, if, even if it goes out at the – I mean, you run the risk of going out at the 40 if you really miss execute it, which is something we didn't mention. The bucks it twice. Uh, yeah. Kicking it out of bounds, not on special teams
0: this weekend, man. Special teams this
1: weekend was a killer. Very, very important to this weekend. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's always going to be the question of, like, did, if they just do that, they just squib it and it goes well, like, Bills are in the AFC Championship game.
0: What a heartbreaker! I mean, that is like, I mean, they waited all year to get that game, and it and they had it. Oh man, I can't even imagine. I mean, that's
1: poor Bills. You do you feel a little bad for Bills fans? Obviously, like you know, there's a part of me, little little brother of the division, and they're they're kind of past you now.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me, but I'm like, you know, takes a little more than just there's a little more juice you need. It's it's not that easy being the top of the food chain, you know, you got to want it. So, you know, they'll learn from that and they'll come back and they'll be fine. So, you know, it's going to be a hard fought battle the rest of the way. Let's talk about special teams though, one more time, um, because it costs the Green Bay Packers another chance and maybe their final chance at a Super Bowl, at least in this era. Because if Aaron Rodgers leaves and I think there's a really good possibility that that could happen. Uh, this team is going to be looked back on, and last year's team is going to be looked on, back on, the team that could, just couldn't get it done. And um, at the end of the day, the Niners were the team that didn't look phased by the weather. At least the team, I would say, outside of Jimmy Garoppolo, the rest of the team played exceptionally well, especially on defense.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, J- and Jimmy had a bad first half, and I didn't realize this. I didn't hear about any of this till after the game, but he didn't get his, you know, cortisone, it all, whatever shot that they, you know, given these players in these games. Mm. He didn't take that before the game. He tried to oh. say he was going to tough it out, and you saw the clip of him taking the hand wrap off. He got injected at halftime. So he tried to tough it out, and then it's like, well, you're playing in zero degree temperatures, like <laughs> any sort of, you know, hand, like you're already going to be at a, at a weakness just playing in that, even if you were 100%, which nobody's 100% this time of year. So, uh, he definitely came up with a lot bigger throws. There were some drops in the first half, too. Kittle had yeah. I mean, uh, like one or two massive drops in that game, which is just tough when he should be, you know, your go-to – he's your go-to passing target. Obviously, Debo is your number one X-factor weapon. If you want to bring X-factors back, Debo's definition of that. But, yeah, it, it, another thing I heard is that, you know, Packers had a bottom four special teams unit this year. Yeah. No team – with a bottom four special teams, you know, has ever even made it to the Super Bowl, not never won at the Super Bowl, has never made it to the Super wow. Bowl. Wow. Because it comes down, those plays just get so much more important this time of year. I mean, in San Fran probably saw that, you know, I'm quite sure Shanahan identified that and said, look, we got to go when we have chances on this, we have to go and sell out on these. Like we have legitimate chances to get blocks and get, and get, you know, points out of this, get field position battle by winning the special teams. And it really came through for them. Do you think I, I had this heard this said too? If they don't recover that punt the block punt in the end zone, do you think the four ers even have a chance to win that game? Because they had no offense going. I think even if they cover that at the five, I don't even know if they get it because they were just stuck in mud. Well, that's I, I, I do think they do
0: because, in my estimation, that's a momentum killing play yeah. like that. The whole dynamic of the game, you were basically nursing a 10 to 3 lead. For the entire game and waiting for the bubble to burst. Everybody was waiting for the bubble to burst. Everybody was really waiting for the Packers to finally just put it away, get 21 points on the board. And everybody had an idea okay, Rodgers has the ball here. They're going to end it right here. All they need is a field goal and the game is over. And bang, you have just not only do you have to punt, but you're punting from inside your own like five yard line and it gets blocked and returned for a touchdown. I mean, that whole play, even if it didn't – even if they didn't score, I mean, that play is so huge that there's no way the 49ers sideline gets fired up and, like, they ram it in. And they'll, they'll throw Trent Williams on one of those motions. I mean, can you Those are so good. I love watching that. I mean, if you talk – that's football porn at its finest. Like, it's just so – Trent Williams on a motion. Like, if I was a corner sitting there – I'd go home. I mean, there's nothing – I'm not stepping in front of that train. I'm going to tell you that right now. But, I, I mean, I, I not just in terms of special teams, blocked field goal at the end of the half. Yep, huge. The kick returns, we talked about that. 49ers had a couple of kick returns up to the 40, 50-yard line. I mean, there were it's, – it's literally came down, at, and that's the difference between Shanahan and LaFleur and why Shanahan is a head coach – and LaFleur is a guy in charge. You know, like that's a, just put it, uh, my, my title on my business card is guy in charge, regional manager. You know, like, I mean, that's, that's what I am. Yeah, that's LaFleur. And we'll go back to LeFleur. That's what he is. So, I mean, to me, uh, you know, the 49ers, are the 49ers had the better overall encompassing team. And the great thing about it is that they play defense. The perfect way to play some of these very high flying offenses is they play defense, rush with four, don't blitz, stop the run because our linebackers are insane Greenlaw and Warner and those guys. And then our defense is our secondary plays just a ton of zone, a ton of zone, a ton of cover two, a ton of cover three. And because we don't blitz, we have that ability to help out our slot corners that might be the third string guy because we have so many injuries, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, imagine if they, I mean, if they had Jason Barrett still like, man, I mean, that would be such a lift for them and they'd be like unstoppable. They're playing better defense now than they
1: were in 2019. It's, it's really crazy. Well, and I think this unit has, this is the healthiest, the whole defense has been this year, I think too. Uh, Like the defense was banged and and, and bruised like from, from the very start of the year with this team. So This is the healthiest it's been. The defensive line has been bananas. They have been. I mean, like I said, their ability to rush with four, rush with four, very effectively and get to the quarterback has been massive for them. Like I said, along with what what else that allows them to do on defense, Uh, and that's where it's covered up. You know what their weak secondary is. Like I said, you know we're, we're not we're not we don't have the ability to go man to man, and we've identified that. And again, that's just good coaching and just knowledge and like D'Amico Dem- Ryans has just been amazing for this team this year he's taken what he has they don't have a ton of studs they have a handful of studs they've got Bosa and Warner and you know a couple Eric other names Arm-
0: Armstead and Armstead,
1: Armstead's insane guy it, it's all these guys it's all the front side they don't have like big big talent big names in this team but they just they they it's all about the system same thing as Shanahan it's like mm-hmm. the quarterback like doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. doesn't matter who the running back is. It's they are the plug-and-play team of the NFL.
0: It's crazy. It's how good Shanahan is. I don't know if you've ever listened. I've been listening to a lot of Twitter videos of Mike McDaniel, who's an host of the oh, OC.
1: He's he's been taking all the rage on Twitter. I'll Does that, that
0: guy not look like he just plays video games in his basement, eats Taco Bell all day, like and just runs? systematic formulas, probably is mining crypto in the background. Like he does not look like a football guy at all, but he's a Yale grad and he just applies like whatever the, ha- I don't even remember what his degree is, but it's some crazy macroeconomical thing where he just applies his systems to these things. And it's super deep and super fascinating, but he is the biggest nerd in the world, but he's probably going to be an NFL head coach and it's hilarious. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think the 49ers, if I wasn't a fan of the Patriots, like the 49ers are like the coolest team because they're so innovative and, and, and just new, it's the perfect team of Silicon Valley style. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it really does. Like the, their style matches their environment. Like, like I, I could see it like very forward thinking next level stuff, like really, yeah, really big, awesome. white, big white boards. We're going to just, we're going to map this out here. Uh, really are and they they're like you can you think of a better team that's like just built for playoff football like mm-hmm. i said with their ability to just dominate on both sides of the lines offensive and defensive line like just when it comes down to it they are just so ready to and can run the football better than anybody else oh, man. and 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 the ability to have new concepts come the postseason that you don't have tape on like not a lot of teams you just implement things or just like Work that many packages in like that many different run schemes, that many different looks right. of like it, it, they're doing this, but it could be this, this and this. They're doing this. It could be like all these four different outcomes. Usually a lot of other coaches are more predictable, but Shanahan's ability to have new looks come this time of year. it just sets them aside. And that's why
0: we've always said that Shanahan's the guy. I mean, Shanahan, I mean, they are they are everything that's right about football. They are, they are really everything that's right about football, and that's why they're a likable team. Last one really quick. Let's get this one done. Uh, Bengals. Joey. Bitt, come on. Come on. Come on.
1: This, this wasn't his responsibility, but Joe no. is <laughs> moving on to the AFC Championship game because Ryan freaking Tannehill does not deserve to be there. I oh. mean, that that's just the Ryan Tannehill game. He blew that game seven different ways. First pass of the game, interception. First pass of the second half, interception. His last pass of the game, an interception. <laughs> Blew the whole freaking game.
0: Oh, well, that's the whole thing then. I mean, they I'm really so – really I'm, I'm
1: so pissed at him. I've been, I've been reading more about that game, even though I actually watched the full thing, like, all weekend. I'm just getting mad at Tannehill. Yeah. Oh,
0: because it's literally his fault. Like, there's no – 100%. I mean, you can't Sorry, go no, on, you, go no. You're <laughs> I'm, you're about to go I'm, on a tangent. I'm fired up because fired
1: up. Vrabel, it can be called for some of the bad coaching decisions as well. Because I mean, the the quarterback option on third and one oh, to outrageous. seal to seal the game. Mm. What are we doing? And then run up the run it directly up the middle where Henry is like not ideal. Like get him outside, run the play that you're running for uh, on the on the one yard line where you get him by himself in the backfield. I just cannot believe those play calls going for two after the going for two. That's going for
0: two that early in the game made. I didn't understand that. I
1: I don't I don't really understand how, like, how does the probability change that much going from the two-yard line to the one-yard line? I mean, how can it be that much of a difference? I I just I don't understand. But yeah, he pissed me off that game too. He's he's not getting as much flack because Tannehill really did blow it, but Vrabel had a couple calls that I feel like could have maybe kept his quarterbacks out of harm's way, hmm. uh, you know, overrunning Derrick Henry way too much. He did not look 100%. He didn't need to get 20 carries, and especially when they started finally getting Deontay Foreman involved in the fourth quarter with fresh legs, he looked great. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, tough call. Tough, tough, tough look for the Titans. A
0: tough look just because they dominated the line of scrimmage the whole game. I mean, they not just Nine did. sacks. I mean, nine sacks. And don't even think about the nine sacks. And the fact that that hadn't happened, that they, a team had lost a playoff game with nine sacks since 1966. But, like, the offensive line was doing its job. They were able to move the, bangles, move the ball on the Bengals. Every time they moved in, it was either a turnover or a mishap or a sack or some penalty. Like, it, every single time, it was the perfect storm for the Titans to go down. And even when they had a chance to win it at the end, throws an interception and guess who the only guy you have to cover on that play to, to, to prevent them from going to a field goal. And he gets a first down 15 yards easy. And we're, and as,
1: as McPherson said, I guess we're going to the AFC championship, right? Well, and he, I mean, nothing. I think he bailed out Burrow in that game because Mm. there were two to three times that Burrow took brutal sacks on third down, like that pushed them from like the thirty back to or not you know from like the twenty five back to like the thirty five like he was like running backwards in these situations where the last thing you could do is take a sack and it happened at least twice in that game and but McFierce has been so nails all year that uh, I, I was I was like oh shoot you just pushed out of field goal range nope perfect fifty two like no yeah. like no problem out of that kid I mean really really good performance out of him oh, excellent and and they need him. I mean
0: the, that's the type of thing and and we're gonna talk about that coming up in one of the games in, in one of the conference championship games about how important the kicking game is, um, in this time of year. So, uh, those are the four games. That's our review. Uh, you went one and three, right? One and three. Okay. And I went two and two cause I had the 49ers and 49ers money line, which was great. So, mm. um, that was a real, real big thing. Very
1: close to hitting that money line parlay, obviously with the bucks, but Asterisks because the Debo rushing prop wasn't out, which I would have taken, which ah. did hit by a half of a yard. When oh, I, that's unbelievable. I got, unbelievable. It, I got it, it was 38 and a half. He finished with 39 on well, that the third and seven to set up the game-winning field goal got him a half yard over his over. That, that was is incredible. That's incredible. That is incredible. Um, I didn't feel good going
0: like one and five on the Bucks Rams, like just total. I had bucks. Spread with Bucks' money line, and then like Gronk touchdown, Fournette touchdown, Fournette over rushing yards, which he was halfway there on the first drive and then never saw the ball again, rushing the ball. So it, that was even more frustrating about that game. But so that's it. I mean, I go two and two, had the Chiefs, had the 49ers. So uh, we digress. Let us get into it then. I am going to pick first, but Maddie, before we even pick a game, some stats about conference championship weekend that you should know as a better.
1: Yeah. Just a little eclipse of like kind of the history of conference championship where the overs, the favorites have gone. Um, So this is, this is from our, our favorite guys at the action Network. and Stucky gave us this. He went back to the last 25 conference championship weekends Um, over that course, favorites, 25 wins, dogs, 25 wins right down the middle. Last 25 years, AFC championship game against the spread Uh, favorites of seven points or more Across that span, I've gone 8 and 11. Uh, and across that 25 year span, um, overs have gone 30, 17, and 3. That is 64%. In um, that, going back to another one uh, for a, a bigger look at history as far as uh, favorites of seven or more points. This is getting into the first game that we're going to talk about. Uh, since 1970, favorites of seven or more points are 32 and five straight up, 15 and 22 against the spread. So they win the game more often than not, but there are a lot of obviously close games. we got the best four teams in the league left. If you want a more recent look at history, since 2001, favorites of seven or more, 19-8 uh, and eight straight up, 70%. 9-16-2 and two against the spread, only 36%. Wow. So seven points in the conference championship weekend is a lot of points. Yeah, there's no question about
0: that, and that's where we're going to go. So how this is this going to work this weekend because there's only two games? We're going to force you to pick a side. We're going to pick a total and then we're going to give you a player prop or really any prop because I mean, uh, this is what's exciting. This is what's exciting because next week we're not going to have anything. Obviously we'll just do our 10 questions, but the following week it's just going to be prop central with the Super Bowl, So it'll be a lot of fun and, um, and we'll get going. So uh, without further ado, Maddie, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm ready. You're on the clock. I'm on the clock as they say. Uh, Let's start with this. And like I say, I don't throw the number out because the number is important to what it is and the spread and the total. But I do like to break it down like a little more scientifically in this spot because there's only three games left. So when the Bengals offense is on the field versus the Chiefs defense, let's just talk about it. Last time these two teams played, obviously, we know the Bengals won the week 17 game in dramatic fashion. Right. Um, Burrow was 30 of 39, 446 yards and four touchdowns zero, count him zero interceptions. He was nails. Jamar Chase was obviously uh, a huge game from him as well in that game. We all know the story of that, that game in Cincinnati. And, and, and that's a big factor to me this week is because how is Kansas City's secondary going to hold up, especially if Tyron Matthew can't go? Tyron Matthew, again, he's in concussion protocol right now. I think this is a huge story to watch if you're a Kansas City backer. Um, just to know that he's going to play a real big glue guy to that defense. We all know that and how they run that, their coverage games with Spagnola, because they are extremely, extremely complex in how they do their stuff. But they might get Rashad Fenton back. I heard that he actually was limited in practice this week. So that's a big boost for them. He hadn't played uh, in a while. So Rashad Benton being back for the safety position is really, really big. The Chiefs love to blitz on defense. We know this. They were the eighth-highest-ranked blitz team in the league, 28%. In Week 17, though, Joe Burrow threw for 11.8 yards per attempt and four touchdowns when he was not blitzed. But that number still was at 10.2 yards per attempt when he was blitzed. We all know this. Joe Burrow is very, very good with pressure on him when the Chiefs' offense is on the field. In their previous matchup, they only had the ball three times in the second half, but they had the ball four straight possessions in the first half where they scored a touchdown. But just three possessions in the second half, incredible stuff by by the Bengals' offense by keeping them off the field. Time of possession was key in that game. The Bengals don't really blitz that much. But in Week 17, Mahomes throwing – When not blitzed, just 5.2 yards per play. It was pretty incredible. He did have two touchdowns. Against the Bills last week when he was blitzed, eight and a half yards a play. The Bengals just don't do this. I think they understand the scheme behind how to defend Mahomes. Now, Mahomes has certainly been more patient in the last few weeks, I think, than than, than in those previous ones. Just some other key tidbits here. The Bengals have played in 11 one-score games this year, 11. That's an insane number. I mean, they pass the ball a ton. They're never out of a game. Now, Mahomes, against the spread as a favorite of more than a touchdown, is 13-15-1 and as a touchdown favorite or more. So it's not like he has this great, grandiose track record of being able to cover these spreads. We know this from last year, right? Uh, You mentioned it. conference championship favorites more than a field goal, 15 and eight against the spread since 2004, more than a field goal. Um, That includes six and two against the spread for favorites that lost a previous matchup to the team in the same season. So that's kind of an interesting little tidbit. For me, it comes down to this. I really do think at the end of the day, the Chiefs are going to win this game. But I do also think that Joe Burrow is ready for this moment. People that People think that Joe Burrow, oh, he hasn't been here before. He got lucky matchups, this, that, and the other. I don't think that's the way Joe Burrow thinks. I think the, the defense of the Bengals is comparable to the Chiefs defense. I, I Look, the Chiefs have played a lot better defense down the stretch, but I think the two defenses are still pretty pretty similar, and I think Joe Burrow has enough here to be able to stick with them. Chiefs win the game but I'm going Bengals plus seven. I think that that's the number to go with.
1: Yeah. I, I'm kind of feeling the same way with you on this. I have some, some things that complement kind of what you were bringing up, because you brought up a lot of the same points, obviously that i bring it up as far as Joe Burrow under the blitz. Um, they were, they were the best team in the league against, against man coverage this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last week against the blitz, Joe Burrow when he was 10 times against the Titans, he was 10 for 10 passing, yeah. 10 percent passing, okay. no interceptions, I believe a touchdown. Um, they again, like I said, six most uh, man coverage played in the league by the Chiefs. Cincinnati was a lead uh, NFL lead leading eleven point four yards per pass attempt versus man um, this past year. Uh To go to the one score games aspect, this is you know kind of bringing this. Kansas City has played nineteen games this season, eight of them, and only eight of those games have they won by eight or more points. Cincinnati also having played nineteen games this season, they have only had. Two games that they lost by eight or more points. They have only had three games that they've lost by more than three. So this team is always in it. Like I said, the offense that they have is always capable of a backdoor. That's exactly what I see seeing in this game. I, I think the Chiefs are going to have no problem moving the ball in offense. I really do. I think what you saw out of them in the first quarter, like I said, they they only scored. Yeah, they had three possessions. They had three points in the second half of that last game. They just totally took their foot off the pedal. They were not the same team. But that has a little bit of a factor due to do with the fact that Orlando Brown was announced out their left tackle in pregame warmups. He strained his calf or something like that. Oh. He was announced out during pregame warmups. They took another injury during the game. So they had to kick Joe Tooney out to left tackle. They had everybody out of position on the offensive line. And so that's when you started seeing Mahomes still wasn't sacked during that game, but he they were, the pressure went up for Cincinnati in the second half. Getting Orlando Brown back is going to be huge for them. He's not the best left tackle in the world, but he gets to match up against a power rusher and Trey Hendrickson, who wants to go through a guy, and Orlando Brown is massive. So good luck pushing that guy back through the pile. Um, and the, except their offensive line is playing a lot healthier now, and their offense has just been better over the past month um, since that game. I just think every every game since then they've looked they've looked better. Kelsey's gotten way better. Kelsey only had twenty five yards in that first game, so. Uh, It's just going to be a a difference to see who makes the changes, right? I mean, that's really what this one's going to come down to. And I just think if you're taking coaching into that, is Andy Reid going to let Jamar Chase go 11 for 250 and three touchdowns again? No. I expect them to do a lot of double coverage on them. I expect them to to not blitz as much. I think Spags is going to, again, he's always willing to show he's able to modify. As much as he always loves to blitz, I do think it's going to be – Hopefully, maybe just disguise a little better. And definitely, I would like the blitz rate to go down for them as far as if you want the Chiefs to win that game. You want them to be blitzing a little bit less. They took Stefan Diggs out of the game last week. I don't, you know, I think that they could do a lot of similar things to Jamar Chase um this week and force the ball. Again, still have good receivers. T. Higgins, Boyd, Uzoma's been very big. Uzoma has been huge for them on third down, especially in that Titans game. And he had eight catches in that game. Um And so it's, it's really going to be who makes the difference changes on, on offense and can the Cincinnati defense hold up, not playing at home and playing in a very tough arrowhead environment. I don't think you're going to hold the chiefs at three points in the second half of this game. So I definitely think the chiefs win and I'm just so on the fence about this spread. And I think I'm going to take, I'm going to lay the points with the chiefs here i think okay. i'm gonna go against you just 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 for a little interest and i just i've been so split down the middle on this because i really do burrow's gonna have a chance at a backdoor and i'm just hoping that maybe it falls a little bit short if it's too big of a moment again joe burrow is an absolute gamer he's played in these huge spots before he's excelled in these huge spots before uh i don't think this game's gonna to feel too big for him but it might feel a little bit too big for their head coach is where I think it might come down to. I think Andy Reid and Spagnola are going to have a better game plan seeing them n- this month. They've played in the same month. I think that the game plan is going to be much more dialed in to stop this team. So, you know, Chase is not going to go nearly as nuclear. He's still going to get his. He's going to be right around his his prop number. It's, you know, around like 80 80 to 88 or something like that. Um always goes up because everybody always bets the over because he's hit it on like four or five street weeks. <laughs> but I think that they're going to force Burrow to try and go a little bit different way, and they're going to be able to take him, take Chase away similar to what they did to Diggs last week.
0: Well, I actually have a prop, my prop, that is going to be kind of in the realm of what you're saying. But okay. what I agree with you is that there definitely has to be a different dynamic and different game plan. I do think, though, that you're right. That, that step on Diggs' point really makes a lot of sense because, I mean, he was gone – the difference is I think the Bengals might have better receivers that are secondary than the bills do. I mean, with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins are, are really, really difficult. I mean, T Higgins uh, really did, did a good job on third downs, third and longs. So they were hitting T Higgins on these slant routes and because he's such a bigger receiver, you know, he's, he's able to kind of body guys up. I don't know who the chiefs have that can really cover that on. on. And, and people talk, people talk about Kelsey too. Uzoma, is is like pretty like easy. He's really getting up there. He's really getting yeah. up there in terms of being like one of the better tight ends in the league. Very athletic dude. Very athletic dude. So, I, I think the weapons that Burrow has. It, this whole, whole thing comes down to can the Bengals line hang hang like that's the whole thing. Yes. I mean that, I mean Spain that dude sucks. Like they, mm-hmm. Jonah Williams was a first round pick. He blows. Like there are they. I mean they're oh line. Really has a lot of problems, and it—I mean, watch Melvin Ingram, watch Melvin Ingram. I'm telling you, that dude, that could be—I mean, that might be a prop bet for you right there too. Melvin Ingram to get a sack or two. I mean, it might be there because I don't know how the Bengals are going to be able to block them that well. After giving up nine sacks, I mean, they've got to make some serious adjustments, or Joe's just got to go crazy. So it's going to be a certainly interesting game. By the way, I just want to give you the weather here. Uh, okay. there is no under the weather this week because a one game is in a dome or indoors and then the other game is um, in Kansas City 47 degrees and like no wind There's in a high like six miles an hour a perfectly sunny day great day for football in Kansas City so it should be a lot of fun
1: yeah uh, that should be that should be fantastic so that means you don't like the under in this game Then obviously I, I, so you know
0: I, I think you can like kind of just, Yes, that I don't like the under in
1: this game. Yeah, I mean, how could you not actually in, I have a couple more just fun trends and stats and just history that we love to kind of get into these deep dives. Um, Cincinnati this year, five and one against the spread as a road dog. Um, and then something to go against them, a uh, couple, couple stats for uh, as far as the Chiefs offense and what they're looking to do as far as, you know, number one passing offense in the league, as far as yards per attempt. Passing rate. Um, the last time, so th- the Bengals defense might be getting a little bit too much credit. They didn't touch Mahomes that last game either. And the, the Chiefs did get four sacks that game. So it's yeah. half as much as Tennessee, but they're still going to be able to generate pressure. The last time that Cincinnati played a uh, top 15 pass rate offense, so it's going to be throwing the ball a lot prior to that Kansas City game. And the last one they played outside of Kansas City was when they played the L.A. Chargers. And Herbert lit them up for 9.1 yards per attempt. They were 11.4 yards per attempt on early downs. He had 317 yards and three touchdowns. The quarterbacks that they played since week eight through that point, minus the Kansas City game, they played Josh Johnson, Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, Big Ben, Jimmy G, Drew Locke, and Josh Johnson again when he was playing for the Ravens. He got traded. They played him twice. They played oh, Josh Johnson twice in the regular season. Remember that if they make the Super Bowl. <laughs> and over the course of those games, against not good quarterback competition, they uh, they allowed a 56, uh, six, 56% success rate passing on early downs against hmm. not great quarterbacks. So, again, what we saw with – I think it's going to be much more like Mahomes in the first half of that game, scoring four straight – drives for a touchdown Mm -hmm. i mean i just don't think that they're gonna let their foot off the pedal in the afc championship game and it's just a team that's been there and this they could just blow this game wide open with a guy again just one last one here mahomes record at home in the playoffs seven and one 23 touchdowns one inter one interception 318 yards per game with a 120 quarterback rating Prince of, darkness. Prince the of evil, darkness, the evil, the seance is happening right now. They are Ugh. so many. I got the candles lit. I'm just not going to go against this guy against a team that's been here. And we've just seen this so many times of like, you got to get almost there once and then you get over the hump. Like you just, you don't see a lot of teams do it in their first shot. And I think that the magical run for Cincinnati is, is just going to come to a halt. In Kansas oh, City.
0: I, I agree with that. And, and by the way, Andy Reid, uh, call saying, you know, when things are grim, be the grim reaper. I was just
1: thinking to myself, you, SOB, like, you are kidding me. But I, that's that that feels like a fake quote made up after the game. I feel like that's like not something you said. I did love uh, some of the inside the NFL clips, which I like, any like mic'd up behind the scenes stuff Mm. I watch all the time on YouTube. Kelsey on that final drive. Yeah, was. did you see this clip of yeah, him? I saw the clip. He just he just diagnosed the coverage of him for the Tyreek play and for himself. And like I said, he he, he said it to Mahomes, and Mahomes is at the line and says, "Do it, traps. Do it. Do it. Do it." And he freaking runs that little out and up, and just gets gets him right in a perfect position to tie that wow. game with that field goal. So that's a team that is in sync. They know what they're looking at, and. Is it two teams of great passing offenses or two shitty passing defenses? Yep. (laughs) So go ahead and tell me what you like for the total on this game.
0: Well, part of it, you you mentioned it, is that Jamar Chase are probably going to have to cover a lot. And, you know, with with this whole thing, and and this is why, you know, Joe Burrow is going to face a lot of, like, two high safety shells. That's, like, what they're called, basically. And usually that's either – cover two or a cover four bailout or something like that you know that's typically what those things are so he likes to go to those kind of intermediate 10 to 19 yard uh, passes Um, really in fact he's the best in the NFL in those intermediate range since week eight And, and he's got a passer rating between 10 and 19 air yards of passing he has a passer rating of 154 I mean, that's, which is crazy. (coughs) So, so he will check it down. He will, he will go underneath. And that's why I like the over 29 and a half receiving yards for Mr. Joe Mixon. And I'll tell you why Uh, this is kind of an interesting thing that he likes to go. What Kansas city is probably going to do is they're probably going to leave the flats very open. Listen to these stats over the last four games, Joe Mixon over the last four games has 23 catches For 189 yards and a touchdown, 11 of those receptions came on those flat routes. And and I think that there's a good possibility. His prop for receptions is like over three and a half, but I think it's like minus 160, something crazy like that. So if you come on like a four and a half, I think that might be feasible because – Joe Mixon, if you're looking at that over the last four games, he's averaging almost six catches and he's averaging over 40 yards, 40 yards uh receiving every every game. So, you know, to me, I think that it's a lot of underneath stuff, more so they're gonna try to get chased, but the Chiefs are gonna try to take
1: it away. I like over 29 and a half receiving yards for Joe Mixon. I I, I mine goes along with the same line of thinking. I do. I worried about Mixon uh, and Uzoma this week because I think one of the recipes again. If they have to get more protection, I think that they're going to be more likely to keep the backs in. Uh, you know backs in a block or keep uzoma into block like they're gonna need some extra protection up there to just to to keep burrow clean because again this is you're not going to win another game getting sacked <laughs> getting sacked Good over time. five six seven eight nine times so i think the answer to that would be keeping the running back in the block or keeping the tight end the block so i'm kind of staying away from those two those two guys this week but i do again we're going to the secondary receiver in this game and much like the same thing you know 10 to 15 yards down the field i think that i'm going to take t higgins over 70-and-a-half receiving yards because oh. he's had a couple big big games. He had a huge game against uh, the Raiders. He had a massive game against the Raiders. So uh, I think a team that's going to play – if Spags does not blitz as much, try and drop back and play more zone, T. Higgins is fantastic tearing up zones. He, he just, he's really good at finding those soft spots in the defense. So I think that if they bracket off, ch- chase a little bit, double him – and they're making them go to, I like both Boyd and Higgins, but I'm going to go with Higgins in this one for over 70 and a half. Boyd's much lower. Boyd's only like, I believe, 39 and a half. Mm-hmm. So I might be on both of those. But for the show, we're going to go with my boy T. Higgins because I love T. Higgins.
0: He is like a very underrated receiver. If you think yeah. It. I mean, his, his rookie year, he was really good.
1: Yeah, I, I had a big thing with, uh, I've been living it up every, Ever, ever limited down. I should say ever since the fancy draft of uh with our buddy Chris Kutso, who was also down with us in Tampa Bay. What he took, Jamar Chase, and I quickly right after him thought I was being very smart and saying, "Well, I'm going to take the actual number one wide receiver for the Bengals and take <laughs> T Higgins, which I took right after him, thinking again Jamar Chase hype was maybe a little overblown. He's going to take too well to get adjust the NFL. Nope, he's like the best rookie wide receiver we've seen in a decade. So um, T Higgins also still very good though. Came on very strong in the second half of the season, almost matched chase in points but didn't quite get there
0: remember when uh jamar chase was at the
1: drops in preseason the drop season we all thought he's different yeah. size ball different la- different laces different different painted stripes on the ball he's never going to be able to adjust never, never going to adapt
0: oh wow i mean oh by the way did you did you pick a uh, a total
1: no i'm sorry so you took you took the over. I'm in the taking game. the over Perfect.
0: 54 and a half. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna be stupid about it. I just think it's it's simple. Be simple about
1: it. These two teams are not
0: playing defense.
1: Well, I'm gonna get cute here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so not keep it simple. We'll, we'll try and maybe seek this one in. I have all the confidence to roll the Kansas City again. I think Kansas City's gonna torch this team passing this game. I think the foot is gonna be pedal to the floor. So that case, I'm gonna take a team team total. And take Kansas City over 31 points. Okay, will be my total for this game. All right, let it be known over 31. It's
0: 31. That's what the number is. Yeah, 31. Okay, 31 points. All right, let's see if they can get to five touchdowns. I don't think they did. I mean, what was the final score? 34-31 was the final of the. Of the uh, last game, yeah, 34-31.
1: Sure. So they it would have been a push on that. Would but again, push. I, three points in the second half, I think we'll do better than that.
0: I, mean, I think so. I think so. Um, Let's get to the second game here. This is the NFC Championship game. This is the third iteration of 49ers and Rams for this season. Um, Fascinating game. Fascinating game. It's McVay. It's Shanahan once again. And we know that in this matchup, Shanahan is McVay's daddy. Like, that's just what it is. He is 6-0 in his last six games against Sean McVay. Six for six. So this is going to be... You like nerd football, this is nerd football. I mean, it really is to its core at, at the end of the day. Um, just some trends here. Or not some trends, but just some observations. 49ers offense versus Rams defense. Debo Samuel has to be on the field for this game. I mean, like, if, if he's not playing, it might be kiss him goodbye. Like, it, it really might be that impactful to them. Um, Trent Williams is also super important. He's also on the injury list. But you got to remember – The 49ers beat the Rams in week 18 without Trent Williams to make the playoffs. So there is a possibility of them, you know, doing that. Now, how is Jimmy Garoppolo going to play? I think it really does come down to him. In the first matchup, 15-19, 79% completion percentage, 182 yards, two touchdowns, that was uh, good for a 141 passer rating. Second game, not a great first half, but in the second half, he was absolutely nails down the stretch of that game, 23 of 32, 72% completion percentage, 316 yards for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, the people that say that Jimmy can't throw for 300 yards that he did like a couple weeks ago and one touchdown, but he did throw two interceptions. Um, but had a passer rating of 87.5. So to me with Jimmy Garoppolo's play again, we don't need perfection. We just need consistency, a little bit of consistency don't make if you're going to make a mistake, let's make it early in the game because the, because that's where we can lose it really bad. Like the Cowboys game is that deep end of the end of the half or end of the half end of the third quarter uh, interception that he throwed to change, completely change momentum. We don't want that. The other thing is how do the Niners up front block the Rams D line? And I'll tell you something kind of interesting that I found out the Niners, the Niners held Aaron Donald PFF graded Aaron Donald every single game, two of his four worst games of his career of of his career of this season came against the 49ers. He was graded against the 49ers an average of 55.9. I think they gave him a grade for that. His season total grade was like 91. So he did not perform well in these games. In fact, the 49ers in both games combined for an average of six yards per play, regardless of whether it was run or pass six yards per play against the rams defense let me talk about the rams offense now rams offense versus the 49ers defense Stafford, we know handles the blitz better than anybody averaging 9.3 yards per pass and a 15 to 1 touchdown interception ratio when he's blitzed so i mean he's really really good that's higher than when he's not blitzed um but here's the problem san francisco bottom five blitz team in the league that they just do not do it. it's about bosa and Armstead and the rest creating four-man pressure and stunt confusion. That's a nice little word for you. Listen to this stat. This is crazy. This is a crazy stat. Since week 10, there's only one team in this league that can say that they blitz less than 20% of the time and have a top five pressure and sack rate, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. They're the only team in the league that can say that. Crazy that they can do that. Uh, in the two games against the 49ers, Stafford, 73 passes, 47 completions, just six and a half yards per attempt, four and four with a touchdown interception ratio. Niners are not our fourth defensive DVOA in the final eight weeks of the season and lead the league in DVOA and run defense over that span as well. And we know the Rams have gotten nothing from their run offense. I mean, just nothing the last few weeks. And they continue to really not really go, any, go anywhere with it. Just some other stats here, really quick. McVeigh, as we know, three and seven against Shanahan, both straight up and against the spread. McVeigh's Rams were favored in eight of those 10 matchups, and he is three and seven against the spread in those matchups. By the way, in every other scenario against every other coach, John McVeigh has a 58% winning percentage against the spread. So this is a real, like, in fact, here's an even crazier stat about this when having a halftime lead. Sean McVay was 45 and 0 45 and oh I'm sure I stole that stat from you right there, wasn't I? I mean 45 and one now. Now he's 47 and one uh against uh, uh, with a halftime lead. So that's really crazy. Visitors in this matchup in divisional matchups in the conference championship game, visitors 15-8-1 against the spread. That's a 65%. And home teams that failed to cover in eight straight, uh, have failed to cover in eight straight games until this year. The Bills did it against the Patriots and then the Rams did it against the Cardinals. Um, And then just a couple more here, Shanahan, 27 and 18 as a dog, as we know, two and one in the playoffs. uh, That's all against the spread. He's won 12 of the last 19 games in which he was an underdog. He's very, very good at that. And we talked about Stafford stats last week, 14, 30, 14, 35, and two against the spread against teams over 500 in November or later. Um, So in my mind, it's just, it to me, I just think there's a bad matchup for the Rams. Bad matchup for the Rams in every which way. Taking the 49ers plus three and a half. I'm taking the 49ers money on.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really, I think, mean, so When, when we want to fire through the stats on this, it's so lopsided. It really it's is. I said, obviously, with everything you said, and I've got a couple more just to pile on, just to pile on the Rams on this one. I mean, so you talk about obviously Shanahan and Jimmy, uh, their stats together. Shanahan with Jimmy G. Uh, as a starting quarterback, 11 and three against the spread as road dogs. Um, Shanahan as a dog uh, at, at any time or, or sorry Shanahan uh, against the spread as a road dog 18 and 10. Um, Jimmy G as a road dog lifetime, 15 and four covering by an average of nine points per game. Mm. He's 14 and five straight up as a dog, which is the best quarterback winning percentage in the Super Bowl era. Of any quarterback, Jimmy G winning straight up as a dog on the road, and to mention that as again, I think I think so with the spread right now too. I, I want to get into this and we can kind of yeah. compile it. I think this this stat is going to kind of wrap this up. It's sitting at three and a half, and I'm sure you might have thought the same thing when you saw it posted. It's like going to be down to three, and it instant. Like everybody's going to whack that three and a half, and it hasn't. Um, And I think right now, you know, the public perception of Jimmy, obviously with his injuries and just, he hasn't put up the stats in the games, but the offense has been great. You know, yes, his numbers aren't great himself, but again, when he's on the field, their offense has their composite EPA expected points added per play. They rank eighth in the league. So it's not that he's doing it, but he's able to just run the system better than any other quarterback can. Um, That, 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 at number eight ranked EPA per play is right after Brady at seven and just before Justin Herbert at nine. Wow, so he's cool. right in there with elite quarterbacks at that spot. Um, like I said, his his numbers against the Rams this year as in a combined uh, two games, he averaged, he was 74.5% completion percentage yeah. through the two games this year, which is insane. 9.2 yards per attempt.
0: And he threw for 30 passes in the last game too. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't really throw the ball. Out. He threw it a ton because he had to, they were down 17.
1: Right. And that's the other thing that goes into this. The fact that the Rams could have knocked the 49ers out week 18 if they don't just absolutely screw that game away. And now they have to come reap for what they messed up on. Oh. This All the things just add up to me to take the 49ers here. I am taking the 49ers. But back to the spread, I think that the reason it's sitting at the three and a half, I don't know if it's the Jimmy stuff and just people not trusting him and the public perception on him is so low right now, I think. I'm thinking that he's just a bad quarterback and playing on a good team. And also I think that there might be a little bit of the Rams were one of the most heavily uh, like futures, like teams in yeah. the preseason, like the Rams were a big time. So I don't know if the books just have so much liability running on futures that they're willing to let this money flood in on the 49ers right now. And then expect to also get more public Rams money come game time, no matter what the numbers sit at three, mm-hmm. three and a half, whatever. So, so that's kind of deceptive when you're saying that, because yeah. it's like,
0: okay, well, yeah, we're taking a ton of money on the Niners, but we have a ton of money tied up to futures in the Rams either making the Super Bowl or winning it. So if we could knock a lot of that money out, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It actually is also makes a lot of sense on the other game too, because I mean, every book in America is a plus seven except for one. And it's a plus seven and a half just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, plus seven and a half minus 120. So now you're thinking to yourself, why the heck is that not moving? I mean, the public's got to be on Cincinnati. The public feels like they're going to be on the Rams this game.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's not actually, you know, the money isn't pouring in as far as it's Rams right now, 56% tickets, 54% money. So it's it's right mm-hmm. there, much start, uh, bigger wow. difference than the last game. The other game is Cincinnati is about 38% of the tickets and – I believe, 86% of the money. Yeah, a lot 83%, of money. 35% of the tickets, 83% of the money. Wow. So huge, huge. Um, You know, obviously, again, but again, that's the Sharps taking just knowing seven points is too much in the playoffs. Right. So uh, I'm just curving that in the last one because I have the Prince of Darkness on my side. So, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm very curious as far as why this is still sitting at three and a half. It's just making me worried. But I am going to take the Niners here. I don't see how you can bet the Rams. I just don't know how you could look at this coaching matchup and think that McVay is going to be the one to adjust because McVay never adjusts. Shanahan's the one that adjusts and has the yeah. game plan. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's X's
0: and O's. If this is an X's and O's game, but at the end of the day in the playoffs, you have to perform uh, in critical situations. And I think that Shanahan is just a better manager of the moment than McVeigh is. Other thing, if this game is a field goal game, you trust Matt Gay or Robbie Gold, who's never missed a kick in the playoffs in his life?
1: Special teams, third part of the game. That's the third part of the game here, folks. Just
0: saying. You got Debo. You got Brandon Ayuk probably in special teams. I mean, there's a lot of craziness going to go on with this. So I am very interested to see. You want to go total? Or you yeah, have
1: something else. I have one more. I forgot that this is, you know, one of those kind of classic narratives that you'll hear as far as hard to beat a team three times in a season, right? This is the first time these, these two coaches have ever played for a third time in the season. So it's the first time they're playing in the playoffs against each other. Um, that that narrative has been a little bit dispelled because the out of the eight games uh, where this the team has swept 2-0 and in the regular season, in the third matchup that team is 5-3 and three straight up. One of those losses, one of that three last year – is Brady versus the Saints. Oh, okay. So yeah, again, another one. It's like yeah. Brady doing Brady things, the numbers, he always defies the trends, he always defies the numbers. So take out that game last year, it's five and two straight up in the third match. So mm-hmm. kind of just dispelling the rumor a little bit of, of you know, can't be a team three times. Interesting. I, it's a really actually a really good stat.
0: So I yeah, it makes me feel even more confident. I love the 49ers. Just, just keep playing my Italian music. I mean, I will play it all day long until Garoppolo, uh, until Garoppolo leaves. I love my
1: Mac Jones jerseys in the laundry. The Brady jerseys in the laundry now. But Jimmy G, still clean, still yep. ready to roll, I, I see still him. ready to break it out.
0: I see him around the corner, Jim. Let's go, James. Very excited. Give me a total. Give me a total before I start waxing poetic about my favorite Roman god.
1: Another thing that you got to just know, again, a team playing each other for the third time, teams that know each other super well, you have to take the under. You take the under 46 points in this game. Teams just match up. You know, these teams match up so well with each other they know what they're trying to do. Um, And I think the defenses for both these teams have been absolutely balling out this playoff. So I think that's going to continue. So under 46 in this game. Yep.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. I think it's 21-17. 49ers, winning game, one of those slobber knocker games.
1: Twenty three to twenty.
0: Okay, okay, I dig it. If we get a Robbie Gold, send you, send you home type of thing. Send us
1: home with a win.
0: Ah, I love it, Bears After, everywhere.
1: after, after Debo takes an end around for like forty yards. Oh,
0: don't, don't get me going. I, you know what I'd rather see though, on that forty yards. I'd rather see it be Brandon Ayuk because I'm going to have take him on my prop. I'm going to take Brandon Ayuk over 49 and a half receiving yards, and I'll tell you why. I do think that the vast majority of uh, of the Rams um, of the Rams' attention will go to Kittle and Samuel, and I think that'll leave a lot of open space for Ayuk to run around. The Rams play single high safety coverage more than more than almost every team in the league. And the way you beat that is deep crossers and crossing routes. And uh, if you look at Ayuk's specialty, it's really that. And it's screens, and then it's deep crossers over the middle. And the, in the Week 18 game, he had six catches for 107 yards that were season highs. He's the perfect matchup against the Rams. 49 and a half shouldn't be too much of a problem. I love Ayuk's problem.
1: That's good. That's good. I like that one. Um I'm, again, sticking you know under the total, we want to go under on some, some props as well. So I thought this was super interesting. This is another great stat from uh, Chris Rabin at the Action Network. Uh, ever since Cam Akers has returned uh, to the Rams offense, he has ran the ball 80 times on first and second down against Arizona, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco. Those were those are the opponents that he faced. Uh, he was a negative .28 EPA per rush Averaged two point nine yards per carry. They had twenty three point eight percent success rate running the ball on early downs. So we saw them obviously change the game plan against the Bucks last week. They 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 went past heavy because that's where um, that's where the weakness is for the Bucks. And they knew you know they didn't have success running the ball when they tried. Um, and last week, Acres got a ridiculous ninety two percent of the team's carries. Uh, On You know, for the Rams, 92% of the team's carries that was with having two fumbles in the game over the past two games against San Francisco, the entire running back position for the Rams averaged only 48 and a half yards. So we will take Cam Akers under 57 and a half yards. So even if he gets every single yard for the running for the running backs for the Rams, he would have to cover about 13 yards more than what they've averaged against San Francisco this year. So, and I think, I think I think clearly with two fumbles last week, his rate is going to go down. Uh, I, if McVay's smart, they will stick with passing more on early downs. Like, and that's where their success rate is. And that's where they, you know, they want to put the ball in Stafford's hands in this. So, I, I think that Akers gets a little bit less carries. And even if he gets 20 carries, I think he has a chance to go under that 57 and a half. So, under 57 and a half rushing yards for Cam Akers is the prompt.
0: That's a really high total. I mean, that's, that seems like excessively high. Especially considering the fact that he just had two fumbles last week. And I mean, Sony Michelle must be looking on the sideline like, what are we? I, I literally have won a Super Bowl. Like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> Do I not have
1: legs? Do my legs not work? What's going on?
0: Holy cow. And, you know, like that's, that's crazy. That's I'm definitely on that one with you. I mean, that I think is a lock, stock, and barrel. Really good one, Maddie. That's very, very good. Um, okay. Awesome. Conference championship weekend. That's what it's going to be. So, just to run down the picks really oh. quick, I will run them down. Um, the I am taking the Bengals plus seven. I am taking the over 54-and-a-half. I am taking Joe Mixon over 29-and-a-half receiving yards. And then, uh, Maddie is
1: t- Maddie. what are you taking right now? So, I've got uh, Kansas City minus seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas City's team total over 31. And uh, what was my prop for the game? Oh, yeah, T. Higgins over – um, 70 and a half receiving yards in the other game. I've got the San Francisco 49ers plus three and a half. I've also got the under 46 cam Akers under 57 and a half yards. And Dan, I know you don't have it under the weather, but I do have a special edition prop money line parlay for this weekend. Let us let
0: us hear. Actually, I totally forgot to give you my pick for the 49ers game. 49ers plus three and a half, 49ers money line plus 165, under 46, right? 46, 45 and a half, whatever the 46. heck it is. 46. And the Brandon IUK over 49 and a half receiving yards. Maddie, Ice, a special magic prop, prop show, magic prop parlay.
1: <laughs> Is it a rabbit? Is it a, is it a thing of flowers? Is it a deck of cards? What problem is with the,
0: with the water that squirts you in the face? That's what it is. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs>
1: um, so we got to go back to the uh, the first game of the day for this one. Uh, and I said it's going to be a passing attack, and I think that they're going to torch them. And I think that they've got two of the best players at their position in the league. So you take Tyreek Hill anytime touchdown score minus 155. And you parlay it with Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown score, oh. minus 150. And that will get you a return of a plus 218, about 220. Uh, so nothing crazy juice, but I think you're taking two guys at a minus 155. Clearly, that's those are really low. Like, that's a high number for anybody in a touchdown prop. Usually, at most, like the number one running back who's scoring for a team is around a minus 125. So both those guys being over minus 150. Um, I mean, they're super high props, but if you don't want to lay them individually and lay the juice with them, you parlay them together. I think they've both got a great chance to get in the end zone, obviously, against this team. against one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL uh, at a plus 218. And interesting, I didn't take San Fran on the money line, but I did want to let you know, I did take a future on them to win the Super Bowl because awesome. I think that they do have a decent chance even if they win this game and beat Kansas City because I thought the value was pretty good. Right now they're plus 460. To win wow. the Super Bowl. So, I'm taking out a minus, you know, so they're about plus 145 right now. We already looked, you said the thing to our group earlier, the look ahead lines. I actually, don't know if we want to go through that now as far as what the yeah, possible look ahead lines would be. But I believe the 49ers, even if they play the Chiefs, who I'm expecting to, would only be about a minus two and a half yep. uh, dog or so. So, they'd be getting two and a half points. So, they'd be sitting around the same thing, about a plus 145. So, if you win on both plus 145s, not going to be nearly as much as hitting one plus 460. Right, exactly. Now that's not bad. That's not a bad idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah, Chiefs, if you look at the
0: look ahead lines that now from Caesar Sportsbook, Rams, Chiefs, Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite. 49ers, Chiefs, Chiefs are a two and a half point favorite. Uh, by the way, Rams, Chiefs total would be 52. 49ers, Chiefs would be 50. Rams, Bengals, you would see the Rams be minus three and a half, total 51 and a half. And 49ers, Bengals, the Niners would be a point and a half favorite. And the over-under would be 49. So, that's not a bad little prop. In fact, you know, I mean, I know we've missed the boat a little bit with the 49ers and the value and all that cool. jazz. But, I mean, if they win outright, and to be honest, if they are in it, if they are in it, if they play the Chiefs, I do think it's definitely going to be – I've been probably going to hammer the 49ers in that scenario. But it will be – it'll be tough. We'll have to see injury-wise and all these different things. But I don't hate that. I don't hate that.
1: Yeah, I guess my, my thought is even if I'm not sold on the 49ers at that point, I've got a great, great area to take, like, Chiefs money. Like, and I'm just fully expecting – I like that we're both picking the outcome of a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl because I don't think – that doesn't feel like it's the conversation this week. I don't know if you feel that. I feel like it's either, like, Chiefs, Rams, or get it's everybody Chiefs-Rams. pulling for Joe Burrow. And I think, you don't know, you never get what everybody wants, right? Yeah. It's always – Like, I think people think that the Kansas City 49ers Super Bowl wasn't, like, the best, even though I thought thought it was a great game. Great game. Uh, You know, so it's just probably not what they're looking to see as, like, a repeat, like, oh, this is a super sexy and juicy matchup. But I think it's what we're going to get. Yeah, I
0: agree. I think we're getting a rematch. I I think that's really what we're getting. Everybody at the NFL offices is dying. They've been waiting three years to get that Chiefs-Rams matchup. I mean, they've been waiting with bated breath to do that. So – I hope it's all ruined. Personally, I hope it's Bengals 49 or so everybody's miserable. But <laughs> give me a little 1980s throwback, the third matchup between these two teams in a Super Bowl historically. I would love to see it. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be definitely fun, and I can't wait. This weekend is uh, – I always say divisional weekend is the best weekend, but this weekend is the most consequential in terms of legacy and, and teams. And, I mean – who had Cincinnati in the conference title game, like 49ers Rams. We have a big East coast bias, but now we get two West coast teams. And it's like, I kind of love every team that's playing this week, except for Kansas city. So, I mean, that's pretty much, pretty much, you know, it's going to be super entertaining and I can't wait to see the outcome.
1: And I did see, actually, I did see our super producer Lou earlier today. Mm -hmm. And he said he wasn't like fully locked in on what the lines are yet. And what, what the bet the narrative would be. Well, oh, He did He did hint to me. He goes, if it were to be anything, it's Chiefs are making it back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So we can put the bet the narrative down as Kansas City minus 315 on the money line. How about there you that? go. Yeah.
0: There you go. Chiefs money line is the bet the narrative this week. Book it. Uh, so I'm going to take all your props, the the Hill and the Kelsey and the Acres one. I might just put them in a three-way. Three I really do. I, I just love that you love my picks. I love – how much you love, how smart you are, and it's great because you are that smart, and I love it. Uh, thank you, thank you, Matty. Thank you. Oh, just being as goofy as possible, and I love it. Thank you, Maddie. I appreciate it. Um, I'll see you next week. We're gonna have a Super Bowl matchup to talk about.
1: Yes, sir. We'll have Super Bowl matchup. We'll have ten questions. We'll do a little year in review. One of the better episodes. I, I like to just kind of we do a real. We did it a couple weeks ago to start the playoffs, but this I know. When Danny's coming up with the questions to to hit me with the hard hitting questions as far, mm. as far as looking back at this football year, it's not going to be easy, but you're going to have to answer them anyway.
0: Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for for listening all oh, year long. I cannot believe that we have three games left. It, I mean, we talk about uh. it every year; it's it just goes by like that. I mean, September curls around and it's it's January. Oh, but the Pro Bowl. Oh, but the Pro Bowl. oh 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 for, uh Yeah. Forgot about that. Don't worry. In three months, three months, we'll be talking about free agency draft. It'll be, it'll be back. Um, but thank you all season long for listening to us. We got a couple more shows to do, and then we'll take a little hiatus. But you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter at The Sunday Card. Listen on Sports Country Radio at SportsCountry.net every Saturday at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. And again on Sunday morning at 11.30 a.m. to get your picks in. Have a little extra time this week before the game. So a 3 o'clock kickoff with the AFC Championship at 6 o'clock with the NFC Championship. So, from Matty many Matty C. Matt Silberth, I am Dan Zipano. We thank you for listening to Sunday Coffee.